Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing Hawkeye, but specifically feedback for episodes one and two. All that immortal versus that we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. And in our producer chair today, we have the lovely Ashley Coffin. How you doing, Ash? I am fantastic, guys. How are you? So good. Also fantastic. So tired. <laughs> so tired. Yeah. So tired. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Spider-Man tickets went on sale this morning. Right. Oh, uh, who else had a nightmare? Ugh, what a nightmare. Right? That's like endgame times. I was like, how dare they do this at midnight? Can we please keep it to the nice 10 a.m.? Yep. They no. do They do these things late so that less people get on, but it still had so many people on. Everybody set their alarm. They yep. still crash the servers for yeah. every ticket ordering service. Yep. Yep. I've, I've actually <laughs> very rarely seen that. That was, that was pretty cool. Those tickets were crazy hard to get. And, uh, I'm glad I got mine 3 p.m. on that Thursday. It's crazy that they're doing a 3 p.m. show. It really is. On a Thursday. Yeah. On a Thursday. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm taking a half day that day. I still kind of uh, call that the midnight showing. Like, even though it's clearly not like, cause midnight showing yeah. my whole life meant the one you can go to the day before, the day like, before, Oh, yeah. I'm going to the midnight showing. And like, that's just the way I've always called it. So I still am yep. like, Oh, I'm going to the midnight showing at 3 PM, the 3 PM midnight <laughs> showing. I'm, I'm going to the 3 PM midnight showing, uh, that is somehow getting matinee prices on the tickets. Oh, did it get matinee prices? 25% off. Yeah. Mine were $32 for both of them. I love a good midnight matinee. <laughs> And that was still at five five o'clock. That was the earliest show at ours was five. Wow. That's intense. But every other time it's been six. There's never mm. been a five o'clock. Yeah, same. I, I did the 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 three p.m. one. I was like, okay, family not going to be able to make it. Kids are going to be in school. Uh, wife's going to pick them up. So just me. Cool. One ticket. And then I went and looked <laughs> at the next one, the like seven o'clock. And I was like, that's when the family can go. And I, I hit the seven o'clock and it was just like, oh, it's, it's full. It's completely packed out. Oh, mm-hmm. good. So then I look at the Friday showings and like school lets out early that day. So the kids should be out at like one fifteen or so. And so there's a three o'clock showing on Friday. I'm like, Anybody uh, opposed to going like after school lets out early to go see Spider Man instead of seeing it on Thursday? <laughs> this yeah. sounds good. Great, great, because those are the tickets I got. <laughs> like, that's the only. That's the only one. I went through all of them at like the ten o'clock and seven o'clock, and wow. like everything was packed out. There was like the front row was available. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. No, shit. that's you crazy. Can't do that. So the public Never service again. announcement to you guys is: go get your tickets to Spider Man. It is and for yeah. sale. Get out yeah. there. Take your kids out of school. Yeah, yeah. check them out early. They'll thank you for it. They'll remember that day forever. <laughs> it's very similar, actually, to we were just talking about how like they do these ticket sales late because some people aren't going to stay up to do it. So they can hopefully not crash things. But it's kind of similar. Having a three o'clock showing puts it into the work day. So there's just some part of the fandom that can't go at three. You know what I mean? Yep. So like that just like, I mean, like your kids, for instance, uh, it's just it's just interesting. Like it's it's a clever way of getting more people in to see it. Without like really, some people are going to see it twice. I would be seeing it twice if we weren't podcasting for sure. Oh, I might even still like if we podcast and I can get back out there. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to have to uh, do it quick so that you can get out to the 10 o'clock showing. You might get those tickets now. You need to commit to that right now because those tickets are gone. Uh, they're, it's yeah, done. It's, you're probably right. It's sold out. Probably right. Probably <laughs> had to see it in a couple days. Okay, well, let's yeah. talk about Hawkeye. We are here to talk about Hawkeye. We all, all the yeah, Spider-Man, we're here to talk about Spider-Man up top, but let's talk about Hawkeye. We got a bunch of feedback, uh, but a- Ash, uh, you did not get to see, uh, do the live watch with us. What did you think of Hawkeye? I had a really good time with it. Like, um, there's certain, I, I don't love Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's certain things about Christmas that I love, and one of those things are very select Christmas movies, Christmas lights, snow, and New York City. <laughs> All of those things at Christmas are awesome. <laughs> those boxes have been ticked here. Yes. Very select Christmas songs, too. But um, yeah. I was like, okay, how do you already like make me like this by making it a Christmas show? Okay, I can't. <laughs> and then you go into a Broadway musical. And I just have to say for all my Broadway people out there, um, if you didn't know Adam Pascal, who was like, when you came in, you heard this one guy singing over everybody. He was like New York guy number two. Adam Pascal played Roger in the first um, Broadway showing of Rent. Like oh, he's okay. in the movie. He's like a very famous Broadway star. And he was like front and center for the musical. He wasn't any of the Avengers. He was like the guy to the left, but it was like New Yorker number one who was like singing them in. And I know his voice immediately. And I'm sure anybody else who is into Broadway would have recognized Adam Pascal's voice. And I really appreciated that. I was really curious. <laughs> okay. I, I should have looked into it. I was really curious who wrote the Broadway part. Because I, I oh, thought it was, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's, it was like a cheesy overture song, but like, it was not bad, not horrible for a, uh, like, I, I don't think it, it wasn't going for, uh, emotional depth for sure, but it was like, <laughs> the music wasn't bad. I was like, that's pretty good. And, and that's a great hook. That would absolutely be a hook. I can do this all day it would be a total hook in any Avengers. Like that would be yep. Cap's song, right? Like that's, yeah, that's awesome. It's freaking awesome. And I love, God, I love the way that they did it. I could do this all day. Like it was so good. Hulk smash. Hulk smash. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to watch it again just for that part. Um, but I also, they, they like, got me right in with how Clint is feeling. Like, I think the mm-hmm. way he's like his PTSD of it all and the feeling, the way he's feeling, it almost feels like us. Like we're going into this new phase, like all of our friends are gone and <laughs> we're the only ones left. And we're looking forward to this like future thing. And it's really hard to, you know, get past all that. And, you know, I don't know. I yeah. thought that it was like him seeing the, uh, Thanos was right graffiti in the yeah. bathroom. Oof. Yeah. That was, that was rough. It, it, you bring it up the PTSD. I think Jeff brought it up on the last episode. And like, it's funny that we've got Jeff, you mentioned uh, a while back when we found out this was going to be so Christmassy that they were trying to like redo Iron Man three, but better. They were like actually yeah. going to try to re- revive the idea of a Christmas Marvel thing, <laughs> but yeah. it's also a Christmas Marvel thing that happens right after an Avengers where someone lost a lot and they like have PTSD. So it is very much yeah. like, uh, it's Iron doing Man it 3. better. Yeah. Just so far, I, I, I like it, but I like Iron Man 3 better, but <laughs> well, I like it. you're allowed to be incorrect. It's very true. Anyway, that I am. Um, you know, uh, Haley Haley Steinfeld's contacts were distracting, but okay, I enjoyed her. 
as the character. Um, I feel like the two of them are kind of like, they're not over actors, but they have that like, when they're in scenes together, each one's trying to like out goof the other. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, that's what kind of show this is. And I'm fine with that. Like that is yeah. where the, where they're trying to go. And it's fine. Uh, I really enjoyed her demolishing the school. I didn't understand yeah. like why, but I was like, okay, whatever. So we're kicked <laughs> out. Um, it was a bet, you know, I, to yeah. ring the bell with her archery. <laughs> Not a good idea. But we also, like, physics-wise, like, would that really happen to the bell? Like, Ken and I had a long discussion about if that would have actually happened. Well, I was like, maybe if it was a really old bell that doesn't get rung anymore. It's never rung. But and it, then was the, 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 it was the Stain Tower de- devoted to Obadiah Stain, right? Yeah. Or maybe... Is that... Oh, I missed that. Then good. Let that fucker fall. Right. But, like... I, <laughs> Tear it, down. it can't be that old, is my point. Like, it's not like a... Right. 200 year right. old bell. Like, if, if you, I feel like if she was saying like, this was this 300 year old bell and it's never rung, let's shoot an arrow at it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Not if it's the never point. been rung, then it's, it's very likely rusted into place and it's far less likely that the, the arrow is going to do anything. Yeah. Like right. it has to be a mobile bell for that to work. Like the amount of force that ha- that would have to be applied to the rope in order to make that happen mm-hmm. is immense. Yeah, and it's, it's substantial. That it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not something that we need to dwell on because it's going to make yes. me mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in her defense, like I I grew up, you know, in a household with just my mom, so I had to deal with all my mom's boyfriends, and uh, I like. I really appreciate it. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, uh, they, and she would always have that one that just thought they were so cool. And I'm like, Oh, just, just get out of here. You know, like, sir, just stop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of on team Frank. Uh, Is his name? Is it Frank? What's his name? Uh, no, the boyfriend, Jack, Jack. I don't know. Jack. I was like, I know it ends in like a K. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, I definitely think the mom is the one behind everything. Yeah, I do too. But I'm kind of team Jack. I think like he's going to turn out to be like a sweet guy. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's like a villain in comics, but like I, yes. I have a feeling he's a bit, I have a feeling he's just a total misdirect and he's just trying to be a good stepdad. Mostly I just think that'll be really <laughs> funny. I hope so. He seemed nice, you know? <laughs> I'd see no. if my mom brought home some rich guy. I guess we were supposed to assume he's like from a rich family. I would yeah. be the best yeah. stepdaughter you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jack, are we moving in next week? Let me pack my bags. <laughs> Can I call you dad? Dad? Can I call you dad yet? Yeah. <laughs> Can you sign these papers saying that I'm yours now? <laughs> Please. Um, Sweet. I think uh, one of like the lines I liked was when. Um, the mo- what's the mom Vera Famiglia's name in it? Vera <laughs> Farmiga. Farmiga. Oh mom. God! Yeah, her name is Mom. Okay. When the mom was like rich people, you know, like money. You're young and you're rich, which is why you just have this yeah. fearless outlook. I'm like, yeah, that's 100 percent true. Mm-hmm. That's very Tony Stark. <laughs> that, I said the same thing. I said that she. Oh shit! She is okay. the. She I is the. Listen. No, 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 it's yeah. fine. I, I think that's cool that we came to the same conclusion. Yeah. Because yeah, Matt likes it when you agree with him. Yeah. <laughs> I like when people support my, my feces. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Did you say your feces? Yeah. That's, that's, that's what you hear what you want to hear. <laughs> I think they're good ideas. You hear feces. <laughs> Accurate. Eleanor. Eleanor Bishop is her name. Eleanor. I never would have guessed that. 
She does not look like an Eleanor. No, she doesn't. She's a Lorraine. <laughs> I love Pizza Dog, but it makes me upset because he doesn't have an eye and it's hard to look at. Um, it makes Aww. me so sad. I'm like, what it, Him's name is Lucky. Lucky. Him not having an eye somehow just makes me love him so much more. I love him so much, but I love I'm him like, so my much. poor baby, I want to protect you. Yeah. <laughs> and all the dogs of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but the one-eyed ones especially. Like, you gotta, especially. gotta, gotta, gotta protect them. Oh man, my, my, my Do- mom's roommate, uh, caregiver person, uh, has a dog that she adopted that is missing. Is it, one of its legs doesn't work. So it's like, oh, it runs no. on three legs. And then my dog comes over and the first day it's there stepped on the little dog's foot and it's uh, broke its other foot. So, oh. so now William. I know Quil- William, William J. Chompington William oh, is such God. a jerk. So, so now it is it is hobbling around on the same side. One leg doesn't work, and one leg is in a gigantic cast. And it's just oh. like it looks so bad. And luckily, no. <laughs> oh, luckily, the, it's healing well, and it's supposed to make a full recovery on that leg. But man, that was rough. That's rough. That's real rough. <laughs> that's that's real rough. Poor little guy. Uh, okay, let's get into the feedback. That's why we're here. We're going to talk about Hawkeye feedback. We got a got a few pages of it, so let's dive in. Okay, uh, I just want to say one thing about Lucky the Pizza Dog before oh, we get yeah, into yeah. that. It was a little bit weird that Lucky the Pizza Dog was immediately the cleanest dog you've ever seen when the sprinklers came on. Like, dog was nasty, sprinklers come on, dog is perfectly clean and, like, blow-dried. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen a, a baby come out of a, a lady in, in, in a movie? <laughs> Oh yeah. It's so like this, here's this here's this perfectly clean one year old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that, that's the same sort of pizza dog trickery that they're doing there. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't buy it. <laughs> like you had no soap or anything. His coat is far too shiny. <laughs> it's illustrious. Um, okay. <laughs> well, Ashley's gonna go into her feedback cave and collect any live feedback, so please chat uh let us know if you have anything you want to say about hawkeye and uh we're gonna we're gonna be covering the feedback from the uh that's been sent on in all week give me one second jeff let me make this transition so she's gonna be in her pizza her pizza cave what am i talking about my look down cave yeah yeah (laughs) i want a pizza cave Oh, I would do anything for a pizza cave. I would, and I would do anything, anything for, a for a pizza cave. Pizza cave. <laughs> Even that. I would Even do that. that. I would do that for a yeah. pizza cave. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. There's a few things I probably wouldn't do for a pizza cave. <laughs> Not many. Not many. Not, it's, the list is short. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeffo, here's with some feedback. Erlen Mansfield sent us an email. Hi there, I'm Erlen. I'm from Oregon. I don't write it much, but since I drive a lot, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And I will say, the Strain of Panda Network is by far my favorite. Aww. 
I put your network on par with the likes of new rock stars because of your engagement with fans and so much content. You guys truly created a great place where people can geek out and be themselves. Not many people can say that. In the case about Kate Bishop not being a well-rounded fighter, I wanted to say as a martial artist myself, Matthew Fox is correct. It doesn't matter how much training you have. If you've never been in a real fight, it probably won't end well. And I think her fighting style was very realistic for her level of experience. I also wanted to point out the parallels of Hawkeye and Falcon. Both were noticed in the real world, but Clint got his dinner paid for at a fancy restaurant and Sam couldn't get a loan to save his family business. I wonder if that was on purpose. Again, Mm. you guys are great. Keep it up. Mm. Good points. Ouch. Thank you, Erlen. Thank you. Thank you. First off, Thank you for the very kind words about the network. Uh, that means yeah, you got the world me all choked to me. up. Uh, really, it really <laughs> does. Like the whole, this whole network is just about f- uh, people having a place to come and hear people talk about things the way we like to us geeks. So um, that means the world. Us geeks, yeah. And like putting us on or saying that we're on par with new rock stars. Like you stop, yeah, stop. That's Quit a lion. That is very, very kind. That's they're very good. That's company. a bold statement. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, oh. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kate Bishop's fighting style. One of my favorite things that I, I wanted me to bring it up on the main cast, but there were four of us and it was just so crazy. Uh, I loved that she mistakenly did Black Widow's move. You know I'm talking about she jumps. Posing? No, she jumps up and puts her thighs around that guy's head, and she's oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. she's holding on to like a metal bar, and, and then, then it comes out of the ceiling. It, yeah, it comes out of the yeah. ceiling, and then her body just happens to swing the guy over. It's like a hurricane a, rana. Yeah, it's a hunakan. <laughs> right? It's a hunakan rana, but yes, hunakan rana. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I think I don't. I don't know if I'm saying it right. That's just what I remember from uh, when I watched wrestling when I was 13. Yeah, WWE Huracan. I think it's Hunakan Rana. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I really don't know. I always said, like, Hurricane Ronda. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just call it Hurricane Ronda. That's fine. Uh, Especially (laughs) since it's gay. Let me give it a go. It's it's the, like, ladies' thighs that are doing the work in these Marvel movies. So, yeah, I like like Hurricane Ronda. (laughs) Hurricane Rana. Hurricane Rana? Is it really Hurricane H u r r i c a n r a n a one word. Okay, I always I always thought it was different. That's cool. weird. Hurricane Rana. Um, okay, so yeah, <laughs> Th- that that move though, I love that that she did that. It's like a call out to uh, it's 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 a reference. I feel like to Black Widow, but it's not. Uh, she didn't do it on purpose, which I just thought. Was yeah, really it was fun. an accident. Yeah. It's pretty great. I would love, I would love to see like later in the series, Yelena come up and actually do that. And then Kate be like, Oh yeah, no, I've done that, that move before. Mm-hmm. It was kind of on accident. <laughs> and then like, I, you know, honestly, honestly, I cannot like that. That being said, I cannot wait to see the, the, the interaction between Yelena and Kate and see how they work, you know, like see their dynamic, their chemistry. Cause I love that like Yelena is so jaded about, you know, heroism and, you know, that life got my sister killed and that kind of thing. Yeah. And Kate is so like enamored with the hero life and like, you know, and, and they're so quippy and watching the, like seeing how they mesh is going to be just really, really great. That's a good point. I, I, their personalities could be really fun to play off each other. Yeah. For yeah. show. I like that a lot. But yeah, uh, Erlen, the, 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 
you know, the, the tournament fighting versus the actual, like, you know, fighting for your life thing. That's a, that's, that is a great, great headcanon. Um, you know, it wasn't said outright, but it might be in the future. But like after hearing that from Fox and like after mulling it over over the weekend, I guess, uh, it makes a lot more sense. And that, you know, that tracks more with what I need to expect from her. And like, you know, Ashley's been really negative about Haley Steinfeld just in general. I knew um, you were going to fucking do that. I knew you were going to do it. Ashley has, no, no, no. Ashley has been really negative about Haley Steinfeld. So I, I understand if some people might think that Ashley has corrupted me, but this was not that. This was me saying, I don't like the fight choreography. But then after, you know, after we talk it out, I see the error of my... Uh, my interpretation of it and it it fits it it fits what it needs to and i was looking at the character wrong or rather i was looking at the character's choreography wrong Mm. i yeah i see that um so uh what do we think about this idea that getting clint getting the dinner paid for and sam not getting the loan are those deliberate uh differences they're painting or are are they just saying two different things with that same sort of celebrity element? I think I agree with Jess. Um, she said it really nice. She said, I think Clint getting the dinner paid for plays in line with what Sam said when he was at the bank, something along the lines of a lot of goodwill. It confirms the Avengers weren't getting paid, but people show their appreciation and help them out along the way. Like how you can help them out is how you can help them out. That guy could give him a free dinner. The bank could have helped him out with a loan. Right. I, I kind of think of the dinner as such a, it's a such small paltry thing. And I, I do think that it's clearly that like they're struggling with different things. Sam is struggling with like helping his family survive and keep their business open. And the struggle Clint is going through is more of a like emotional struggle. I have no doubt that Sam has probably been bought dinners, but then when it comes to like real actual substantive help, he's not getting it. You know what I mean? Like that's not what I was. That's not what I meant. Oh no, I know. I'm not, I'm not not saying that I'm saying the opposite sort of, um, that's, that's how I see it. The, the, the dinner versus the, uh, I don't doubt that Sam's gotten dinners, but like it's a difference between actually like being willing to help someone and, make real change in their life in a big way or trust them or whatever. I, um, it's, it's a, it's a touchy topic. Uh, it's, it's, it, and I don't know that it's necessarily one that we have, uh, the full scope of understanding to be able to speak on. Sure. As white males, like sure. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, I don't have it either, but I'm not a dude. Ashley, you're in the pizza <laughs> game. I am a lay cis. Mm. She, her. Right? <laughs> lay. That's What's it. the lay part? I don't know. I just wanted to make it French because so many French <laughs> words are like si. Got lay it. Cis. Got it. Got it. I don't know. I just I like it. I like it. Lay cis. <laughs> like I've heard you. I've heard you. Uh, yellow about being called cis before, but like if they called you lacies, I've probably, made it mine. Be fine. Yeah, now you, I've made it my own. <laughs> you're, okay you're, owning it. <laughs> you're owning it as lacies. Lacies. I like it. I like it. <laughs> she her. <laughs> but yeah, as as the privileged sure. majority here, uh, I don't know that we necessarily have the best perspective to 
have that conversation because like we can look at it and be like no it's not the same you know it's it's a completely different thing but is it though i don't know i can't right i can't say in good conscience i know this to be fact that it is not the same and i don't want to discuss that <laughs> yeah moving plowing forward okay well i i will say I don't mind discussing it. Uh, and I'm happy that you guys, the audience, if, if, if you have a different perspective, a different background, feel free to write in and say what you think. Matt might be answering some of those emails. <laughs> I think that either of those interpretations are valid, I think is the thing. Like, and that's, that's all I'm saying is, is by saying that other perspective, I'm saying like, I don't know that these writers intended for those two scenes to play against each other in the way that we see them because we are so into this stuff. Uh, yeah, the, I, I, I think those two writers are trying to write these two characters journeys and those are the way things like they needed Clint to be getting showered with praise and not feeling it. You know what I mean? Like they, that's, right. that, that's the character he needed to be portraying. He needed to be like sort of hating his own celebrity because he finds it perverse. It's like a different thing. It's unclear that that getting praise and not feeling it is in any way tied to or tandem with Sam's journey. Right. And I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. Well, like exactly. Like intent is just impossible to, to nail down with, you know, unless the, the writers come out and be like, aha, we said it this way because this. Now, if we, if we go forward in these, in the journeys of these shows and we see a lot more of these sorts of situations and they make a broader point about it, but I have a feeling this is more just like, these two characters' journeys being written separately, but it is still an interesting conversation of like, how is Clint being treated differently? Um, ah, we need to do the standard American thing and just ignore it until it comes to a boiling point. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, well then, all right, then plow, plowing forward. Juan <laughs> uh, Pibernus sent us a Facebook message. Hello, everyone. The Hawkeye series, at least the first two episodes, seems to have a lesser scope than the previous Disney Plus shows. I think the Marvel Netflix show comparison is a fair one, and that's a good thing. For all the great production values in the Disney Plus shows, the Marvel shows were more relatable. Uh, so far, there has been a lot of character moments and relatively low spectacle. And I find myself a lot more interested in this story than I was in the Loki series. I hope they manage to keep this up. Mm. Sweet. Man, this just, this makes me so happy. Like, not the fact that somebody said I'm less interested in Loki than I am in this. Right. Like, that's, that's neither here nor there. Like, you know, we all have our tastes. That being said, that we all have our tastes, like, I love that the MCU has something for everyone. Everyone. I love that, you know, that the, the people that like one like these small grounded stories of like, yeah. it's just a person that's got some pointy sticks <laughs> and is dealing with real world problems of like, I have a family. I also have PTSD and I've done some bad shit. Yeah. When you generalize it like that, like that's a lot of people in the world that have to deal with that sort of thing, right? The pointy stick thing, yeah. Well, just, I have a family. No, I know, I know. PTSD, bad shit. I have a bad history. He's deaf now, like in his one ear? That sucks. Couldn't imagine why. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Too hard to tell. They they put a lot of thought into it, and I really appreciate so far those, you know, the story. I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. That's awesome. But Hawkeye's the only one left, so what choice do I have? (laughs) (laughs) 
Jeez. Just kidding. Thor's still there? Where? I haven't seen him in so long. Love and Thunder? Oh, I mean, that's like, I got some time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be fine with Renner for now. What I love about what Juan says here is that, like, there's just, like, we've gotten, we've gotten this email about every show since WandaVision and Loki. Like, we've gotten this about every show. This is my favorite I like it way better than this other one that was my favorite. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. Loki's still my favorite, but like, I, WandaVision still got I it. I rewatched WandaVision. I think that's definitely my favorite. I, I really enjoyed WandaVision watching three it times. in one day. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Loki yeah, yeah. makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, WandaVision makes me sad too, but in a different way. Catherine Hahn's there to make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm a, I'm partial to the, big sci-fi epic you know what i mean like not yeah. that wandavision is sort of that but it's sort of this fanciful small family story and like i love the big universe multiverse sw- sweeping stories um so so it's just i like that there's so many people there was so many different tastes loving these stories for what they are that's so cool <laughs> freaking cool Je- jessica i was like as i just spoke my exact sentiments i'm liking it more than expected but maybe that's because it's all i have right now <laughs> we go through these little droughts it's nice they make you they're like love it i'm like i will i will <laughs> just keep doing it please yeah that that's interesting like maybe that's part of the strategy they know that like we all think right now this is the last thing we're gonna get for five months maybe that's why they haven't announced the 2022 dates yet yeah you know they're like (laughs) we're we are the falcons under the hood (laughs) what when a falconeer is training a a falcon to like to to be sorry thinking of the character didn't know which hood one. you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, they, they put the hood on them and like they break their spirit by making them dependent on the falconeer for like everything. Like, I love you so much because you give me the food that I can eat and that's it. Like they make them dependent on them, but it's kind of like a, uh, like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. Yeah. Like I have to love you. Otherwise you won't feed me. And that's yeah. kind of what we have with Marvel right now. It's like, I have to love you because otherwise you won't give me the content. Yeah. That's a good, that's a great analogy. Wonderful. Thank you. Ashley. Finally, <laughs> I can finally stop making analogies. I can stop. I can stop. The, I can stop this run on sentence. Now someone said it was great. <laughs> Thank you. God, that's all I wanted. Promise. <laughs> I loved it. At the beginning of my sentences now, you're just going to be like, oh, yes, that's perfect. <laughs> I've been doing that for years. Uh, when it's my turn to talk, when I, when I think it's my turn to talk, I go, that's a great thought, Jeff. And now let me say mine. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you do it? Oh, now I know. Now I, I don't know. think I've ever heard you say that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Too busy basking. <laughs> so just just a joke just a joke next up blake kernias sent us an email hey everyone first time reaching out hope this is the right place to do it i'll be brief i'm listening to the hawkeye reaction episode and the scene at the urinals came up the conversation about word of mouth lore that becomes part of the city's ethos is 100 percent true especially when it comes to marvel actors where i live i live in chattanooga tennessee it's about an hour and a half north of atlanta when marvel studios began filming movies in atlanta around 2014 the actors come up to chattanooga during filming breaks for leisure Ooh. 
It's a beautiful outdoors lifestyle branded city, and it's a quick drive from Atlanta, so I don't blame them. A superhero could probably slip under the radar for, you know, a few days and get back to Atlanta without us knowing. Soon, rumors started sprouting up along the lines of, I drank a beer with Paul Rudd here, or I saw Chadwick and RDJ in the Whole Foods buffet line. So, Mm -hmm. of course, I haven't been lucky enough to meet or see one in person yet. Lupita Nyong'o got the city buzzing a few weeks ago after she visited and posted about how much she loved the city. Unfortunately, no one has met Renner at a urinal yet. If I do, though, I'll make sure I wash my hands and ask for an autograph at the appropriate time. (laughs) Dude, you should just be like, Thanos was right in his ear and walk away. (laughs) Keep up up the good work. Love y'all 3001. Just fight for that extra point, I guess. If you're ever in Chattanooga, beers are on me. Hey, we're real close, and I like beers. So I like Tennessee. I like Chattanooga a lot. It's a fun word to say. <laughs> it is indeed. Me and Alyssa went there for our that. anniversary like two years ago, I think. Oh, nice. And uh, just like spent the weekend in Chattanooga. And it was freaking awesome. They have a great little area to walk. We did an escape room. It was I love the cabins in the in the Smokies up oh, in the yeah. Chattanooga area. I very much want to go to the Smoky Mountains. Mm. That's, I mean, it's a great, great place to have a uh, secluded, very quiet uh, vacation time where you sit in a hot tub and just drink. Yeah. <laughs> I just did that on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know if you need Chattanooga There's for that. There's a certain kind of like quiet that comes with the woods, though. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Matt, you gotta go in the middle of winter. No. Yeah. No, no, middle of winter <laughs> when the hot tub is like, you know, steam is just rising off right, of it. Right. And then like it makes the drinking so much better. Okay. Okay. Uh, I will say I, I did go in the middle of winter, like in January one year I went and that's where I wrote my album Left to Burn. I wrote about half of it in Chattanooga at a, at a cabin right outside the city. See, there you go. Yeah. There it is. Great time. Great time. <laughs> so inspirational. Left to Burn by Matthew Carroll on Spotify now. Woo. Woo. Katie's hot tub. <laughs> we were in there this weekend it was like 40 maybe 38 degrees mm. and we didn't like you get hammered in a hot tub like if you're yeah. not paying attention you are hammered <laughs> <laughs> all right we got bakshi sorry avni bakshi mm-hmm. not sunil bakshi uh yeah. sent us an email hello matt ashley and jeff and if there's any other guests hello to you too now onto the feedback. I freaking loved the first two episodes. That was all caps. There's a lot of exclamation marks. <laughs> there is nothing I would change about them. The intro of the first episode was perfect. I loved it. And then the second episode, echo! And then a whole bunch of random characters where it's like, very excited person here. I loved it. And the one thing I loved even more than the intro and echo was Clint. He finally got the recognition that he deserved. Kate was a really good protagonist, and also I want to see Rogers the musical. It was a parallel to Hamilton, which I'm a sucker for. Yeah. Well, that's all the feedback I can think of until then. Bye. P.S. I love the pod, and thank you for giving my, giving me my daily dose of Marvel while in school. Oh, nice, nice, nice. nice. Yeah, I want the Rogers musical. Like I want the whole thing. Somebody, yeah. Sure. I, there's got to be at least a full version of that song out there. Did that? Oh, did, yeah. did that hit iTunes oh, yeah. or anything? It's on, it's on the Spotify. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I will. I will be checking that out tonight. <laughs> I love that Clint's like he wasn't even there. Like, why was Ant Man there? Ant Man. Oh, yeah. The shot of Ant Man. Ant Man's always like played as kind of a joke, and like I don't know the way Ant- they they all look silly dancing because it's like so. 
I don't know, anathema to like the the heroic thing to be like da da jazz hands, jazz hands. I don't know. Chris Evans is a tap dancer, so I felt right at home. Oh sure, sure. I'm not. And tap can be. I don't know something about that musical style of dancing with like. The, the world at stake, the world at stake. It just looks, seems so silly. And when he's like, he wasn't even there and it cut to Ant-Man dancing. It, it cracked me up, man. I yeah. love it so much. It's just like, oh, <laughs> so good. Oh man. Oh, yep. It's called save the city from Hawkeye. Of course it is <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not a uh, call. I can do this all day. I thought, yeah. Sure. Uh... What a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Whoever wrote that, ah, do better. <laughs> the music, uh, the music at the end when they introduced Echo was making me laugh because it was like that music thought that it was better than it was. Like we're bad beat, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. It just it was trying to come off as like this really hard song, and I'm like, what the heck are we doing right now? Oh right. I, it was just very funny, <laughs> and it went on for a long time. The the sense that I got from it was that she was literally just playing something with a crap ton of bass mm-hmm. just so that she could feel it. You know? Well, right. no, I got that, but like, you know, I don't know. Maybe because my husband is into music. Like, I I expect more from a beat. Right. <laughs> it was just funny. It was just, it was, an, anyway. Uh, it could have just been the beginning just of a it. Critique. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just a mild critique. Not badass enough for Ashley. Echo is going to be badass, and I think she deserved a more badass song. <laughs> right, I, I can see that. There are there are moments in Marvel where the music makes them very memorable. I, I think a lot about Luke Cage. Oof. A lot of those Luke Cage yes. ones. Daredevil. Uh. Yeah. That was a lot of M there, sir. There were moments in Marvel the music makes them memorable. It was good. Tongue warm up. A lip warm up. All right, let's hit this next one. Gregory Cayley's in his email. Hi, Ashley, Jeff, and Matt. Hope you are all doing wonderful. First off, Christmas and Marvel are the greatest. Hawkeye's gonna, is gonna become yearly watching from now on, just like Die Hard is. I am here for all things Christmas. Second, the LARP scenes had me laughing out loud. Just amazing comedic effect. Just really entertaining TV. The guy doing the sword sound effects and the look on Clint's face absolutely killed me. (laughs) Sorry, I just started laughing thinking about that guy going, cling! Yeah, when when he went in there and he took all of them out, like he was just destroying them all. I was so happy. Oh I was like, like oh, I've dreamed of doing that at like the rent fair. Just, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just taking them all. And everybody was falling like they were supposed to. It was amazing. Yeah. I love oh, that God. one where he just does the spin move and all of them fall. Yeah. So, all of them were like, <laughs> oh, so good. So, so good. Anyway, third, Jeff was talking about Kate's fighting. This is definitely intentional. Her inexperience with street fighting and being a superhero because she isn't one yet, just shown through. She's used to competition, having a referee, timed rounds, not this free-for-all. Clint has been a spy for years, trained with S.H.I.E.L.D., is an Avenger. The way he just came in and whooped ass, can't wait to see him train her. Fourth, The Watch. Just a couple of theories. It's from Avengers Compound, which got destroyed. I think it's Stark Tech. Potentially a prototype wristwatch housing for a nanoparticle Iron Man suit. And it leads into Armor Wars. Or my other idea is it's the wristwatch version of the tech used to traverse the quantum realm and leads into Ant-Man 3. 
Anyway, love y'all to Vormir and back, Greg. Yeah. Um, how much stuff is just laying around the Avengers, you know, compound that nobody's going to get? It seems like, like can, it got destroyed and they just walked away. Like, I'm going there tomorrow. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Well, oh, so, I'm sorry. Was this Avengers compound as in after Endgame? Yeah, after it exploded, yeah. people have been just uh, ravaging it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I, no, I was just, I guess I had in mind that that was, uh, I don't know why. I thought that was, they were saying that watch was there after 2012. That's what I had in my head. Uh, okay. So the tag so on it said Avengers Compound. Okay. I just missed. I, I was thinking Avengers Tower, which is stupid because it's not even what it was called in, in 2012 well, when it, that all happened. Isn't that where they said they found the, the Ronin suit? Yeah, was, the suit the and the suit sword, and the sword were, there. were also there. That's what I'm saying. Like, we need to go there, like, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. I wonder where all that's coming from because we know that, like, Hy- when Hydra was involved in S.H.I.E.L.D., was that was was undercover and shield they were they were like diverting things like that uh you know to be either sold or used by hydra and i wonder how this stuff's getting out like this is you know well there was also um tombs adrian tombs yeah uh where they were cleaning up after everything and then you know stealing that so like maybe something like that but like after spider-man homecoming you would think that there would be some sort of like better regulation or like a tighter well, and hold thing, on it, that sort of thing. There was right, like that's what happened at the end. At, that's what happened to Tomb's crew. They got taken over by Damage Control, right? Like Damage Control started coming in, and they they started taking over that kind of cleanup. Yeah. Um. So I'm assuming that 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 can't happen as much anymore. But we'll see. I guess. But they were stealing it. Is the thing like the the oh, Tomb's right. crew was stealing it. You know, after the fact. And that's the sort of thing I would think of as being like, you know, it's a black market thing. And, you know, they, it, you know, it, from this one space where the Avengers were and nobody else was allowed to be there. Like, how are those things making it to the black market if not somebody on the inside of whoever the cleanup crew is getting it out or it's being stolen? But I would think that, like, it, it wouldn't be stolen because there's a lot more, like, eyes on it at this point. I don't know. Right, you'd think so. Especially Avengers Compound because it's not like it's in the middle of the city. I think the, the reason with 2012 um, with the, the Chitauri attack had so much left behind it's like in the city. You know, yeah, and there's it was just across, like, there's it was stuff across everywhere. Manhattan. Yeah, so just to get to Avengers Compound, like you have to you know, I'm sure there's like back roads and you gotta go, you have to be going there. You know, it's not like stuff's just dropping. Yeah, there's on. intention there. Yeah. Like, oh, let's go to Avengers Compound and dig through the rubble a little bit. I guess that's my point. See it seems like find. there's probably some sort of leak or something in either whatever version of shield or sword is handling that stuff now. What a shocker. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, no. The shocker was in on Tombs' crew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the shocker. You shock people. <laughs> Brian Klonowski sent us an email that a question regarding Hawkeye. What's the deal with the watch? Oh. I'm thinking that <laughs> I'm thinking that for someone to want it more than the other items means it must have Tony Stark tech in it. Could this be a setup for Armor Wars? That show was announced way back at the Feige presentation when Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Hawkeye, and others were first announced. However, there has been very little information since, including nothing but a blink-and-you'll-miss-it title card appearance during the Disney Plus Day presentation. That tells me that Marvel doesn't want to give anything away from current shows or movies by talking about it. 
So my Mephisto-like speculation for this is that it is Hammer who wants the tech. Mm. Whether he is still in prison or not, he could have made connections while in prison with people who have access to Kingpin to orchestrate it for him, and he would have the funds to pay Kingpin millions for it. With the reference to the first Iron Man tower with the stained bell tower, that could be a nod to a villain from Iron Man 2 who I would love to see return. Your thoughts? Anyhow, happy holidays to everyone in the Stranded Panda Podcast universe, SPPU or <laughs> SPPCU, especially Ashley, Matt, and Jeff. Keep up the great work in 2022 and love you guys 3,000. Tickets to the Rogers musical, Brian Klonowski. <laughs> That's, oh man, Brian. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. I love this theory and I now want it so bad. I just hammer love Sam Rockwell. I love Sam I Rockwell. Love I so love much. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yep. And as much as I love Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, his presence of like menace and danger and like pathos next to hammers, like charisma and like humor rakish good looks <laughs> <laughs> he's just a little guy <laughs> that sounds so freaking perfect there's so yeah. they're two good actors and i would just love to see them together yeah they're two great actors and i i like along with their very different like style of acting like for those characters they are also very different like physical presence wise like body size right. yeah. very different so like everything about them is just like opposites <laughs> and they're gonna be best friends god i hope so best frenemies so theory marvel has really they haven't put many of the sony characters other than spider-man who's a big draw into marvel studios movies like it go kind of it's been going one way, and that's because they're paying for the use of Marvel characters. And Marvel's like, we got plenty of characters. You guys try to build your own thing if you want to. So here's my thing: if we need a replacement for Norman Osborn as like the sort of like head or the you know brain trust in charge of the Dark Avengers. Who better than Wilson Fisk? I was thinking, who better than Justin Hammer? Mm, he freaks out too much. <laughs> I can totally see him as the as the guy in the suit, if that makes sense. Like, I could see him as yeah. trying to be the next the Iron Man. Guy. Like, I'm Hammer. I'm coming in as Iron Man. Like, in Armor Wars, right. for instance. I totally see that. But I don't see him as the menacing force at the top of the building. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's not very threatening. No. But D'Onofrio oh, right. is. So, you want... You want D'Onofrio as like the uh, the the money purse behind yeah. it, yeah, the businessman that everyone is like, who like had his had his law troubles in the past, but now he's just a businessman, and everyone and like maybe he'd be like, you know, he could I could totally see him being president or something like like uh, Norman is in the comics, um, yeah, I could totally see him being all of that Norman Osbornness that is is in the Dark Avengers. Yeah, I don't see him getting in an Iron Man suit, but like everything else. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you know what's really funny about this? Like when you're you're talking about um Spider-Man characters not coming over, Kingpin's first appearance was in The Amazing Spider-Man number 50. Right. But Marvel has so, the rights to use him, so <laughs> Yeah, like it's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. It, didn't we I feel like there was a when we were t when they were talking about making the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, there was some discussion of whether 
Sony had the rights to Kingpin as well? Like, is he a character similar to how Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver could have two versions because they were both X-Men and Avengers? You know what I mean? Is it possible mm-hmm. that... Uh, Sony, for instance, if they wanted to, could make their own version of Kingpin, in at least in one of the other variant universes. I doubt it. Because they did that Daredevil. Was that Marvel? Yeah. No, that was, that was Fox. Fox. Ugh. Yeah, so the Michael Clark Duncan version of Kingpin was a Fox property back in 2003. Yeah. Um, so, like, that having been sold to Fox and then coming back, I don't think Sony has anything to do with it. Mm-mm. That's true. That's true. Fox probably owned that character and sold it back. Yeah, you're probably right. I wonder. Yeah. Hmm. I think the rights reverted. Okay. Like that's, that's why they were able to do the daredevil show is because Fox just didn't make another one. Right. Uh, that makes sense okay. that they may have batched, uh, Kingpin in with daredevil when they sold him to Fox. Mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. right. But I love this theory. Great theory, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, freaking great. I, uh, you know, I don't want to get hurt again after after everything we did with WandaVision with Mephisto. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to try to tie all these things into like some future property and be like, ah, it's the the watch is the thing, but it's going to lead to that and sure to the ten so, rings. I mean, obviously, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a ring. It's technically a ring. <laughs> So what I'll say is, it's not going to be a lead into armor wars. Here's the thing about theorizing, <laughs> and I, I think we should we should keep this in mind. Like we're here to theorize. It's a big part of what we do on this show is like play with ideas. But when we get locked into one idea too hard, it makes it impossible to like bounce theories. So like. Let's talk about something. Let's have the fun of theorizing, but let's just not get locked in on something. WandaVision kind of did that to us on purpose. I agree. I agree. The Mephisto stork of it all, the red, the cicada, like <laughs> everything that they were doing, were, that, w- that was not all our fault. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Because we haven't really done it since. <laughs> yeah. We've never done it before or since. And it's not just us. It's not like it was our show. It's like the entire fan community was like <laughs> screaming about Mephisto, ex- except for me. Um, we almost got oh you a couple God. times. <laughs> I'm just we got him so many times. I'm just teasing you. I had, I had a great time theorizing about Mephisto too. I just wasn't as, uh, I just wasn't as locked in. That's all I'm saying is like, let's love our theories, no, but not no, lock to them. Not Excuse me. How many times? We'll still see. I have my back pocket. If Sarah from the town of WandaVision is going to come back and be something Sarah Proctor. Oh yeah. Because you did not stop about that. I will never forget that either. And I'm just going to wait and wait and wait. And because if it does happen, I will shake. I got $20 on it. I really, hope, I remember that. I really that hope that happens. I love that actress. And supposedly Kevin Feige had to approve her. So like, mm, what does that mean? Maybe it was because he didn't want a, a, a name. And he's like, everyone's going to think that she's something like Mephisto because she was a demon on Buffy. He was like, that's why. Mm. Do it. Could be. Could be. You know what's so funny? We're bringing up Anya. One of the feedbacks I put in here for today has a has an Anya reference, which is pretty great. Uh That's very funny. Well, so I don't like the idea of not being tied to a theory that you love. Um and, you know, wanting to try to keep room for other theories, like, that's bullshit. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Get locked into one. Live it until the day you die. Uh, but 
what I'm doing here is reverse psychology, Matt. Oh. It's not going to lead to armor wars. Oh, I see. I see. All right. Oh, good one. <laughs> Shut up, Ashley. <laughs> Go back to your pizza cave. Oh, I, wish. I hope Lucky the pizza dog is there. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. <laughs> I hope he's dirty. I hope he's dirty and Even doesn't get better. clean. <sighs> Josh Morgan sent us an email. Hey, Matt, Ashley, and Jeff. <laughs> they probably didn't have that kind of malice in their voice when they wrote it. <laughs> I was listening to your cast, and there's no mention of the toffee at the end of the dinner party. After Kate and Jack spar and Kate is leaving, Jack offers her a toffee candy. Kate looks at it. And immediately gets upset and leaves. This seems to be the same toffee from Armand the Third. They made a point to show his monogram toffees when Kate sneaks into his place and sees the dead body. This means that Jack, aka the swordsman, possibly killed Armand the Third and is not a good guy trying to be a good stepfather <laughs> who also happens to have a horrible mustache. I just wanted to put my two cents in. Thanks for a great cast, Josh. I, well, see, I, I definitely know you're talking about the, the toffee, but I just thought. That was the part of the misdirect. Like that's yeah. it, it, we didn't bring it up because I think it's pretty obvious he's in the family. Surely he has had access to these monogram toffees before. Like you know, yeah. It's not like he's never been to that house before. If I were Dexter, I wouldn't say he's like reached the level of killing him yet. You know, yeah. Like it's it's uncertain at this point. Yeah, like, probably. But uncertain. That's exactly why I don't think it's him because Kate Bishop looks at him with this thin evidence and like storms out like, Oh my gosh, he's the killer. And it's like, yeah, circumstantial at best. To me, that may, that means underline, underline, he is not the killer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, like that's just, if, if in the se- first or second episode, like the first premiere night of the show, the main character who is clearly not very good at superheroing yet sees a thin piece of evidence and goes, I knew it. They're not right. Like they're just not right. (laughs) Well, there was two pieces of evidence. It was the piece of candy and the fact that he was knew how to use swords and that guy was killed by a sword. Sure. I agree. Yeah. But, but both of those are very, it's kind of the same thing. It's the same, like you hate your step, you know, guy coming in and being like, I'm going to be your stepdad. Like all those things. That's the other thing I think that was like, is playing in that scene and I think it works, but it's like, I think clearly all of that is evidence to the fact that he's not the killer, not the opposite. Yeah. I it's see the Mephisto behind the curtain. It mm-hmm. was mom. He was threatening Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor. Cause like I was saying, when we did our Such podcast, like name. she keeps wearing red. All the bad guys are wearing red. She's like, your red dress is on your bed. I'm wearing red. The, the bad guys are, or excuse me, crimson. So they're all tied. She is leading this band of bad guys based on fashion. (laughs) (laughs) In in true Ashley fashion is based on fashion. (laughs) The thing is like, we didn't talk about this much at all, but like, cause we were, had so much to talk about on the other show, but um, she also has that line where she's like, now that you're about to become of age or whatever, you can finally come work for actually work for the family business. 
the security yeah, oh, yeah. business. Who her daughter, who she has been having trained as an assassin her whole life, like not as an actual <laughs> assassin, but she's been having her trained in all these crazy martial arts, gymnastics, archery, sword play. Like she's been training her daughter as a superhero. I'm thinking villain her whole life, and now she's like, wear the red dress. It's like yeah. inviting her into whatever murder cult she's a part of, and like I, I, I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I like the murder cult. The Crimson Murder Cult. What was their stupid gang called? Tracksuit Mafia. Tracksuit Mafia. Ugh. Track Sorry. Mafia. I think they were just called Bro. Bra. Yeah. Did, Bra. They, did they say Tracksuit Mafia in the show? Yeah. Yeah. Hawkeye okay. said it. Okay. Hawkeye said it. Oh, a I couple thought you just said something like I the tracksuit. The Crimson whatever. Mafia because they're all wearing red. They are wearing yeah. red. It was the tracksuit mafia. All right, let's hit these last two. And I, I screwed up. I put these. These are patrons. <laughs> I, we normally put patrons at the top. I put oh, them yeah, at the we're back. saving the best for last. Oh. My bad. My bad. I, I mistakenly miscategorized them and rent into the non Hawkeye feedback. Aaron Flynn says, hello, my absolute favorite podcasters. Before I forget, total congrats on your award. You all deserve it. You keep this entertaining little light on for the rest of us who can get a little lost. There's always a home base, a true north, a guy who says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Thank you so much for that. I'm only a quarter of the way through the Hawkeye 1 and 2 cast, and I've got a theory. Bunnies. Bunnies. It must be Uh, bunnies. The Anya reference? Yep, there's the Anya reference. I just wrote back, or maybe midgets. Like, to this whole long message, (laughs) that's all I wrote back. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, And Aaron says, what, no Buffy fans? Sorry, I'll get to my point. Hey, we got you. We got you. We got you, Aaron. (laughs) When the Hawkeye series was announced, there was a lot of focus on the Young Avengers creation, especially after the introduction of Wiccan and Speed in WandaVision and Yelena Belova in Black Widow. But Jeff said something in the cast that got me thinking, and I apologize if this has already been brought up before. Jeff, Matt, or possibly Matthew Fox, was discussing how Clint was having to reconcile his Clint slash Papa Barton and Hawkeye roles. Then another of the three chimed in stating how he was having to reconcile three parts of himself, the the previously mentioned identities, and Ronan. This triggered a thought in me because it made me think of how similar this was to Black Widow when she had to become the de facto leader of the Avengers after the snap. Through all of the Avengers movies, and now her solo film, her struggle was to reconcile the parts of her assassin, spy, family. And she ultimately achieved this, led the Avengers through a horrible time, and stuck through it until a resolution became real and then sacrificed herself at peace. Hawkeye is not at peace, nor will he be, until with the new young recruits, Kate Bishop, Yelena Belova, potentially Wicked and Speed, and the new, quote-unquote, heroes, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, the Wasp, Doctor Strange, he creates a new Avengers initiative, complete with compound, resources, strategies, etc. Look at the current situation. Bruce is still hurt and going between Hulk and Banner. Carol bails on meetings, Thor's <laughs> off in space with the Guardians, Clint's the fixer. He always has been. See Wanda in Age of Ultron. See Civil War. He needs to fix the Avengers to become a real unit again, especially if the multiverse is cracking. The Dark Avengers slash Thunderbolts are coming on deck and Kang's arrival is imminent. Secret Wars is coming and Galactus might be on the way. A solid leader will be needed. Clint Barton doesn't know his role right now because he's avoiding the only one he can take. 
Sorry for the long message. I'm probably way off base. I can't get it out of my head, though. Love you all 3000, Aaron. I think this has a lot of merit. I think it does. We talked a lot about the possibility of Clint dying. Uh, I have particularly, uh, because I think it could, it could work here, but because of the way they started this story, this doesn't feel like a Clint Barton swan song. Cause he's not coming in here like on top being like, I am Clint Barton Hawkeye, wise Avenger, and I'm going to like pass on my knowledge before I die kind of thing. This is like Clint Barton broken and he needs to like find himself. And I think that's the story we're watching here is him finding himself. Yeah. Now, and we're maybe. watching him find himself as the person who gets the bad people together. Right. Yeah. Well, my thing with this, how long is this after Endgame? They said two years. Where is he with Wanda? Why hasn't he called, contacted, figured out what's going on with Wanda? I figured like he, he would be the only one who would be able to like talk her back off whatever ledge she's on so the only way to not have somebody there for her like that is to kill him off here but if this is much past yeah this whatever is much was happening past. with wanda like i don't know it, it it's always in the back of my mind like how come nobody is worrying about wanda <laughs> if anybody could find her it'd be clint too mm, possibly but th- mm. this is happening way after the fact and we don't know what was happening with clint like right after the uh, in in game um i have a feeling like you know, it seems like Wanda went to this place that no one really knew about to see the house that her and Vision had planned to have together. And, and then this all happened. And it may, it may just be that, you know, Sword didn't contact Barton because he was too close to it. You know what I mean? Like they, like Darcy and Wu and Monica kind of flipped and stopped Sword from their evil plan. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, if Sword was planning to, to like take out Wanda, they probably wouldn't have brought in an Avenger, you know? Right, right. And I'm just like, after, you would think that right. um, Wu or Darcy, who all know that he's an Avenger, would have at least let him know. So I'm interested to see, there's got to be a, some kind of explanation at some point. I just think now now she is off the grid. Like, that's what that's what that last scene is about. Like, she's well, whatever. Yeah. Well, that's what it's like with Multiverse of Madness. Like, how long is that going to be after everything? Right. How long is Spider-Man? Like, I need a timeline to know. I just need to know. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> and we will. Uh, that's an interesting question because Spider-Man seems like it's happening immediately after the last Spider-Man, which was happening like uh, six months after Endgame or something like that. Right. Spider-Man yeah, it wasn't Far very from far. Home was pretty close. Well, in the... In the most recent trailer, he said one week, you know, there's been one week right. that I've had in my life that was, you know, fine uh, or normal. Mm. And that was when she found out and she found out during two. Right. So it's like at most a week afterward. Well, the yeah. week, the week he's talking about is the week from when she found out to when the world found out. That yeah. was the week it felt normal. So yeah. we don't know how long happened between the week the world found out and the, when he finally goes to Dr. Strange, you know what I mean? Like there could be a two year period where everything's spiraling out of control because the world knows. And he's just like, nothing is normal. I can't, I haven't had a normal week since that one week, two years ago, you know, that could be, but it does seem, I mean, it seems like at least in the trailers that show, it shows that scene where they're swinging and, and shows that J Jonah Jameson scene. And you're like, it seems like it's picking up right where the last one left off, but we don't know if there's going to be like a, 
montage of like, here's what happened this year or, you know, but I doubt it. I right. feel like the movie's going to be a little more fast paced than that. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't expect Endgame to say five years later either. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I just gave it a, a cursory goog. It looks like Hawkeye takes place one year after the events of uh, Endgame. Oh, really? Okay. In the final weeks of 2024. I thought they said two years at some point, and the thing is two years since something. I didn't remember that happening okay. at all. It may, I may have made it up. It was, it was early in the morning. <laughs> Matt's known to do that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys, you can't trust me. Don't trust me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have Jeffrey James, a longtime patron, says, "In a certain sense, Thanos was right." Bum bum bum. <laughs> Jeffrey James is evil. <laughs> Controversy. Uh, while the psychological price was very high, the result would have been a massive labor shortage and housing glut, similar to that experienced after the Black Death. The blip would have virtually wiped out poverty and greatly raised the standard of living for almost everybody who survived. Hmm. After five years, many people would have mourned and moved on, so the sudden appearance of the blip and the subsequent demand to return to the economically cruel status quo ante would have been a disaster for many who hadn't been blipped. Yes, there'd be some joy at the returning of loved ones, but maybe not, say, at the return of your filthy rich uncle who was an abusive asshole while he was alive and by default left all his money to you when he was thankfully blipped, and now wants it all back. One aspect of the blip that the MCU hasn't coped with is how it would have changed religion. The sudden resurrection of billions of dead would, of course, resulted in the collapse of Christianity and Islam and the birth of new religions that would have made, say, QAnon look positively reasonable. <laughs> um, okay, uh, there's a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack there. Lots to unpack yeah. there. I, I don't know that it would have collapsed religion because religious no. re- people that are religious... Uh, uh, for right or wrong, will make the will make whatever fit their religion, uh, and that's why it's religion. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like they that is a that is a core belief, and they'll probably make whatever the situation. They'll just probably believe it's part of the end times or. Uh, well, the there was more of a science behind what happened. Suddenly we're dealing with aliens. Suddenly it's, sure. you know, a person or a being did this and he didn't do it with any kind of godly power. It was, you know space magic which is a lot easier to swallow sometimes than like a religion thing yeah. but the people who will believe in the religion is like you know this is all part of you know what we're supposed to go through I, yeah i don't think it would have i think it might have made it stronger yeah it could have it, I, I do think that there would be people's it would affect religion for sure but i don't think it would necessarily wipe any religion out it might make them focused on a certain thing or it might make them reinterpret the scripture in a way that is different um like, you know, start, start believing, oh, that verse, that's what that verse meant, you know, like stuff like that, that, um, I, I'm reminded of midnight Matt, uh, midnight mass, which I know you watch too, Ashley, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is a show about religious people and then they encounter a horror element and it's about how they recontextualize that horror element into their religion. And it is fascinating. If you, if you, if you, if that sounds interesting to you at all, go watch Midnight Mass. I don't think I actually liked it. <laughs> Except but, for the last, you know, until you get to the last 10 minutes and you're like, ugh. 
<laughs> what I, is happening? I, I, I we'll, we'll have to talk about that off cast. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, yeah, I because uh, I think that I think it's fascinating. I think the movies. I think the whole it's on Netflix. It's great. But um, yeah. you it, look it, at that th- that uh, for a second, and you know that it's not an uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, okay, we'll oh, talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. like uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I didn't want to spoil what horror element it was because yeah, I think it's so I, good. Yeah. There, Not much a, of a mystery. A, there's <laughs> a reveal three episodes in and it's, it's a great reveal. I think it's a really great reveal anyway. But, uh, that, that show is, is, a, is a study in how religious people would look at a crazy supernatural event and how they would recontextualize it. And I think that's kind of, uh, it was, it was pretty yeah. fascinating. They um, would just make it theirs. Yeah, probably. They, they explain, you know, religion, religions explain things in through their, through their lens. And that, that's probably what would happen. Um, as for Thanos being right, I think speaking economically, I think you're only, <laughs> you're only looking at the demand side of the curve there, Jeffrey James. I do no, think there would be David Attenborough. David Attenborough keeps saying it in every documentary he does is just too many people. It's a problem. Well, sure. Sure. Uh, there, that that is that can be the case, but with a sudden reduction in the number of people, yes, ev- more money would be flowing to the less people. But there's also the supply side of all the things those people would want to buy or do, or the collapse of supply chains. Like all that stuff would also happen. So, I like mean, we're experiencing that right now. Yeah, well, we're experiencing the supply chain, but not the demand diminishment so like we're we're experiencing the bad part without the good part um so yeah. i i think i think to say it would be good economically is oversimplifying i think there are certain things that would be good and certain things that would be bad but i will say just like they talked about in falcon Winter soldier like after five years the world would have adapted and then when everyone comes back now that's a problem because then like you don't have the supply chains to supply i've been saying this for a long time where's the food going to come from because they're planning now for half the world yeah. to exist and then suddenly that rest of the world comes back and there's yeah it would be a crazy world when everybody came back it's been five years. We've adjusted. Now you're doubling the population effectively. Yeah. It's not you're bringing everybody back to the same resources. You're doubling the population. Infrastructure has changed, you know, like massively. Uh, that would be a real problem. Yeah. It just, it looked a lot like, you know, what, what we saw of like when Hawkeye was going around killing people. Sorry, when Ronan was going around killing people. We, um, you know, we're we're kind of led to believe that the world just kind of paused. You know, like if there was right. trash everywhere, right. and you know there the, were still cars all over the place. For some reason, boats gathered around the around Lady Liberty. Like I, I, I like yeah. some of it. I was like, would that is that what would happen? Like, would ever would we just no. leave boats in the harbor? I guess not after five years. I'd be like, damn, look at my new boat. You know, <laughs> everybody who didn't have one, just go get yourself a boat. You don't got a car, you do now. I'm on a it's, boat. Don't yeah, you ever forget. I'm on a boat and I got my flippy floppies. <laughs> it was a little dusty, but I, you know, it still had the keys in it. So it's fine. Yeah. I had to wipe out the previous owner. <laughs> Sage that bitch oh, out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Get a dust buster and you can own anything in the land. Um, you come out of your car looking like Tom Cruise in World of Worlds. You're like, this must have been Jim. 
Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I can't get Jim out of the seats. <laughs> <laughs> but I always wanted Jim's Ferrari, and now I have Jim's Ferrari. It's mine. So is his house. <laughs> Um, oh. And I, I, I also must comment on Jeffrey James's uh, saying, uh, talking about the emotional impact of the blip and how like the positive effect of some people the blipping would yes that would be sad or the the negative effect of good people blipping would be uh, sad but there would also be the positive effect of some bad people blipping that is true but and you can call me religious if you want to because this is kind of my religion I do believe there are, there is more good in people than bad in people. <laughs> so like, I think that on whole we are good to good to each other more than we are bad to each other. So I think that there'd be more sadness than happiness that your people went away. <laughs> Ashley and I are, are looking at the camera just like, like you haven't met my I, mom. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. haven't met my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've met my dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we all, we all have our, uh, interesting we all have we all have a parent that drove us into <laughs> podcasting um <laughs> i'll have a parent a dark parent see people um, to tell me i'm doing good in my life you know? <laughs> yeah. i came here for the validation <laughs> yeah. to, gra- to congratulate me on my award dad <laughs> no. yeah these people congratulate wow. me on my award but he dad. Couldn't even do that i don't even know who he is so whatever Mom, no, I was I was yelling at the wrong parent. <laughs> I thought that was from my perspective. It is now. I felt yes. it. Yeah, <laughs> I felt it. Oh, I was like, man. well, I guess I don't have to say it. Someone else did. A good holiday talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get it. See what the live chat's been saying. What you got, Ash? Okay, Voice Inject said, Hi from Toronto. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hawkeye has turned me into a Haley Steinfeld stan, and I would die for more tuxedo scenes. She was adorbs. <laughs> uh, I really hope the nano machine that Dr. Octopus seemingly absorbs in the No Way Home trailer creates a narrative path for a superior Spider Man story project. Mm. I made it through that sentence. <laughs> there were that a lot of S's a good there. one. Yeah, a lot of There's M's, a lot of S's. A lot of M's and S's. And, uh, yeah, okay. I don't know the Superior Spider-Man story. Is that the one where he gets the arms? What? The Doc Ock no. arms? Does he ever do that? No, Superior Spider-Man was a situation where... Oh, this is a batshit crazy one. But, Professor um, Parker? Doc Ock, like the spirit... The, the soul of Doc Ock had possessed the body of Peter Parker oh. and was being a hero Spider-Man, but like kind of being a darker asshole kind of hero. Okay. So he was the superior Spider-Man. Interesting. It was, it was, it was weird. That is weird. Huh. Uh, interesting. I, there's a moment in the trailer. Wait. There's a moment in the trailer where he absorbs. Oh yeah, you didn't nanotech when he has him like upside down. He's pulling the oh, pieces no. off of him, and Peter's having to move the suit around like Tony does against Thanos. Oh, I didn't see that at all. Yeah, what's my where, where's what is my damage? Dang, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy anything else in the live feedback and then tj stafford said i think the watch is a one-of-a-kind dora watch that tony got to replace the one he lost in iron man 3 <laughs> <laughs> we're 
done here. That's great. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us so much. Uh, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, I wanted, did want to say at the end of the show, uh, thank you so much to the patrons. Really, really appreciate you guys. I feel like I haven't had enough time to say it lately. Uh, and, uh, we just, you guys, a lot of you guys have joined the Patreon lately. It really is making the show possible that it exists. So thank you so much for, for being a part of it. And if you would like, are out there and you've considered it, patreon.com slash MCU cast is where you can find the Patreon. Uh, and other than that, that's all we got for this week. Peace. Until next time, true believers. I was going to steal it from you. Bye. You weren't. <laughs> <laughs> got real used to saying it. <laughs> Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.